Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. All right. Hey, John. Welcome back off the bye week. How you doing? Oh, doing terrific, man. I'm well rested. Uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, all that good stuff. But ready to get into it. All right. Perfect. So like, how's Michael Thomas doing? I think that's my question. I want to you know, just continue our conversation from last week. I've heard that suspension that he served is now done with. He's now eligible to play. Sean Payton being a little cryptic with his health. But it sounds like when you say, quote-unquote, he's feeling good, that... That should mean that he's going to play, right? He got hurt late in week one. He's been out since then. The Saints are coming off the bye week. Michael Thomas better be in the lineup this week. Like, let's go. Like, it's time for him to get out there, and I think we'll see him, won't we? Yeah, he was he was all smiles, and his uh, his cameo on first take with, with uh, Cameron Jordan had a, a an interview with ESPN uh, this past Friday, and Michael Thomas happened to walk by in the background, flexed a little, smiled a little. And <laughs> told him Feeling good. Told- told Cam to tell everybody that he'll be back next week and we're in the next week now and he's expected to be in the lineup. Sean Payton spoke with the media this morning said that Mike Thomas is feeling much better he's in in their plans and they're ready to get to work. Against that Carolina, that young Carolina defense too, I I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big game and reminds everyone who he is, John. I just wouldn't be stunned at all. Not at all. He's had some great games against the Panthers in the past Uh, and this year, their secondary has kind of been the weakness of the team there so I think this is a great matchup for him specifically you know, I honestly don't know whether or not Eli Apple is going to play. He's been mounting on and off of the injured reserve list for Carolina this year. He has been a starting quarterback for them when healthy. Um, that, that's one situation we're going to keep an eye on when the injury report is released over, over the course of this week. So, I mean, Saints fans, we, we saw a lot of Eli Apple the last few years, and I don't know many Saints fans who would not see that as a uh, – a, a very forgiving matchup for Michael yeah, Thomas. Yes, absolutely. There. Absolutely. And, and the Saints maybe caught a little bit of a break with Christian McCaffrey. You know, it sounds like he's going to miss at least one more week, John, so we won't see him. Mike Davis has filled in admirably in Christian McCaffrey's place, but McCaffrey's obviously one of the best backs in the league. And I don't know. I, I don't I don't like Davis's chances to kind of threaten the Saints' 100-yardless rusher streak, right? Uh, I think the streak could live on here. Yeah, we saw Mike Davis. He was followed up fairly well by the Chicago Bears defense a week ago. Um, that's another good matchup for the Saints defense. Uh, the player I'm really watching from the Panthers, not just Teddy Bridgewater, but I mean we're going to see the, the, the that connection come up early and often this week. But Robbie Anderson yeah. is a very interesting player. Gosh, he's just he's one of the best vertical receivers in the NFL right now. That we we saw that we've seen that on display. Just last week, I believe he had a 37-38 yard catch against the against the Bears, and he, he's doing this week to week to week. And he has many of the same qualities that some of the players who have given the Saints trouble share. Um, like look at Mike Williams in the Chargers game two weeks ago, who was just dominant against the Saints uh, secondary deep downfield. He, he won several matchups on. on we had the, the very memorable jump ball uh, there at close to the end of the game against Marshawn Lattimore and T.J. Williams in coverage at the same time. So Mike Williams, he's he may have provided a template that Robbie Anderson is going to look at and try to work off of against the Saints this weekend. There you go. We got our fantasy minute here coming up in a little bit from the huddle.com of USA Today and maybe Robbie Anderson for those daily fantasy players. Maybe he's a guy you could look at, you know, and you know, this isn't really a fantasy question, John, but the survivor pool, I'm still alive somehow. We were talking about this before we started recording. I'm somehow still alive. I don't know how I picked the Colts last week. 
and they've got down 21 yeah, to nothing. Congratulations, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> down 21 nothing and I really don't like Philip Rivers, John, and I was like, oh, I, I just don't I don't love the I don't love this situation at all. It's it's going to end and somehow it didn't. So I'm still alive and I have the Saints available. And I kind of I'm looking at the Saints, they're favored by seven and a half coming off a bye. Michael Thomas should play. Christian McCaffrey probably not playing. You know, I don't like playing division teams against each other. That's one of my rules, but I might break my rule uh, and pick the Saints in my survivor pool unless you try to talk me out of it right now. No, that, 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 I'll, uh, I'll definitely defer to you on that one. I think that's a great <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I love this matchup. The okay. Saints have swept the Panthers a couple of times in recent years. Yeah. They, they've had some great games against them, and this might be the weakest version of the, of the Panthers team they've seen in, in quite some time. Now, that's no knock against Teddy Bridgewater. That's no knock against Matt Rule and everyone on their sideline. But if you just look at how the Panthers have played, the teams they've beaten, the teams that they've struggled against, uh, the specific matchups, I really like Saints' chances this week. The Panthers are on the come, right? I, th- I feel like we'll be dealing with them for a few years, but they might not officially arrive yet. But uh, another thing that could work in our favor here, or my favor, my favor here with the survivor pick, is uh, fans in the stands. You wrote about this again on the Saints Wire. It sounds like we finally struck a deal with the mayor, and we're going to have fans in the Superdome, John? Yeah, so they're rolling out a phased and uh, disciplined approach here. So they're going to start out with, 3,000 Saints fans in the building this Sunday, and then they're going to gradually increase that in subsequent home games. Now, we're never going to see more than 15,000 fans in in the Superdome uh, per the plan that is in effect right now. Um, I mean, the situation has changed over the course of a week. It could change again a week from now. We just just don't know. But right now, as far as the Panthers game is concerned, there will be 3,000 Saints fans uh, up, up there in the stands and streaming their hearts out. <laughs> we'll hear them. I think we'll hear them. Now, the Saints were off last week, but there's plenty going on around the NFL. That and more with John coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week number seven. Quarterback Joe Burrow versus the Cleveland Browns. These teams met in week two, and if you'll remember, Burrow threw 61 times. Don't expect that in this one, but he finished with 316 yards and three scores. Those numbers are just slightly better than what is being allowed by Cleveland on the year at 290 and just over two touchdowns. Approaching 303 is within reason, but be very happy with 280 and two. Running back Latavius Murray of the New Orleans Saints versus the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans is fresh off of their bye, and they face a defense that has given up eight rushing touchdowns in six games, plus allowing more than 100 yards per game on the ground to the position. While the scoreboard usually dictates Murray's role in the offense, he has seen at least 10 touches in each of his last three games and in four of the five contests that he's played this year. Carolina is dreadful against running backs. Marvin Jones of the Detroit Lions faces the Atlanta Falcons on the road. While Jones has been awfully silent of late, producing only 17 yards in his last two games combined, and he has no touchdowns with Kenny Galladay in the lineup, there's still upside here. Atlanta has given up the fifth most points in both prominent fantasy football scoring systems. Most of the damage has come via being the second worst defense for yardage and the seventh for catches allowed. This game also has a potential for a shootout given how poor Detroit's defense has played most of the season. Another player who at one point was featured prominently in fantasy football, Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants. On Thursday night, he travels to Philadelphia for a top six matchup in all meaningful statistics for fantasy. This defense has given up the fourth most catches 
sixth most yardage, and sixth highest touchdown efficiency rating. It hasn't been pretty for the Giants, especially for Ingram. At some point, it's going to click, and gamers have to be ready to take the chance and not miss out on such a premier matchup. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, so I'm sure you were paying attention to that uh, Panthers-Bears game last week, John, and uh, I don't know if you caught Nick Foles' post-game presser. Now, it's been all over the place. If not, listen to the Bears Wire podcast because I played it, you know, throughout the show the the entire time. I'm obsessed with the Nick Foles winning ugly sound. He's embracing winning and just being a crappy quarterback but winning anyway and embracing it. And and Are you catching Foles' fever? Are you believing in the Bears, the 5-1 Bears? Not even a little bit. No, no. I don't don't believe in the Bears. I think they're going to crash and burn i think it's going to be hilarious when we might see a an 11 or 12 win bears team visiting a five or six win cowboys or eagles team <laughs> you can smell that year. coming can't you um, it's coming yeah it's going to be super sloppy and i mean they're flying really close to the sun right now you know the bears offense it's barely it's, it's barely functional right barely, now barely. Um, yep. excuse the pun there um <laughs> I mean, their offense is barely functional. They're 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 playing very poorly on on critical downs, on first down. They're they're just not having much success in in, in the running game or the passing game. Um, they're doing it all with defense, and as we've seen in the NFL, that is not a sustainable model. You have to be able to score points in today's league to uh, survive and push deep in the playoffs. And I just don't know that they've got the right mix, the right ingredients uh, there to pull that off. I mean, Foles had a lot of trouble against a Carolina Panthers defense, which was missing its best defensive tackle in Kwan Short. They're missing one of their uh, high draft picks at defensive end. They, they have one, they've had one of the weaker secondaries in, in the league. I can't name a single, a single linebacker for Carolina right now. You just look at how poorly the Bears have played recently, and that's the team that I kind of hope the Saints draw in the playoffs if, if they both reach it that far. Let's, just, let's, let's, let's put the pin, pin in that one. No, totally. And you mentioned that that NFC East, that potential game that someone could play the Cowboys or who knows, Eagles. It could be any of these four teams in the NFC East. But I think what we all agree on at this point, John, after watching all these games, we're going to have to watch another one on Thursday night, another NFC East game. <laughs> we have to watch those Cowboys stink it up on Monday night. And now we'll have to watch this NFC East uh, Giants-Eagles game. One of these teams are going to win the NFC East with a terrible record. And I don't know what the record's going to be. Is it going to be 6-9-1? and one? Like the Eagles got that tie. Is it going to be, is someone going to have seven wins? or six wins. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be below 500, I believe. And it's brought up a lot of chatter around the league right now, right? Or at least in the national media about should the NFL finally look at this, go and change the rules that a a team that wins their division automatically gets a home playoff game. Do you think they should change that? Like, I think it'll be, it could be worse. Like if you saw this situation in the AFC where you got a team like Pittsburgh, that's got a, a great record having to go to a team that's got a sub 500 record on the road. I mean, I know that's how it's always been. What do you think about it? Do you think the NFL should look at that and maybe uh, change that rule? Yeah, I think it's a smart change. I think it would, it would make a lot of sense because right now it's kind of rewarding teams for mediocrity. It's like, so you're you're the best team in a very bad division, um, and you're not that much better than your peers. I mean, it's, it's rewarding teams for not playing well enough, for giving them that home field advantage. It's never really sat right with me, not not even – Gosh, all the way back to the uh, 2010 playoffs when mm-hmm. the I think the 11-win Saints had to go and visit the seven-win Seahawks, yep. and yep. unfortunately that one didn't go our way. But that was another instance where this has happened, and I would love to see that that rule get changed a bit. I'm fine with letting division winners get a playoff uh, ticket punched. That, that that's totally fine with me. Get to get get them in the dance. We saw what happened with, with the Seahawks that year. I mean, it, it, once you're in the once you're in the postseason, anything can happen. But don't have a team 
in, in a situation this year where we could potentially have a an 11 win Arizona Cardinals team visiting a six win Eagles team. I mean that just, that just does not make sense. No, no, I agree. Division winners get an automatic bid to the playoffs, but they don't need to have an automatic home playoff game. I think they should change that. I agree with you 100%. So while the Saints are... Yep, exactly. Yep, we got it. So uh, it's fun when we agree, John, so that way we're not on here arguing, right? I'm sure the fans would love to hear us argue about something, but, you know, what can you say? Great great minds. Great minds. Uh, The Saints are home last week watching... I think we're all watching that Bucks packers game, expecting Brady, Rodgers, expecting this great ball game, this great battle, and boy, did the Packers turtle when they hit some adversity, but you could also say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played a perfect game almost. They kind of pitched a perfect game, right? I mean, no penalties, no turnovers. They did everything right. Got down 10 nothing, but they scored the next 38 points. It seemed to me like the Bucks were kind of shaky there, especially after they lost to the freaking Bears, and they looked terrible doing it. I don't know if we know, like, are the Tampa Bay Bucks, the team that we saw against the Bears on Thursday night a couple weeks ago, or are they that team that dominated the Packers? What do you think watching the Bucks there? Is that some of the, is that was that scary? You think for Saints fans watching that Bucks team play the way they did? It kind of did, but I mean, any team looks formidable on a day when everything breaks their way. Seriously, when as you said, they they, they didn't have the penalties, they didn't have the turnovers, they, they, they executed perfectly, and and honestly, that's what every coach in the NFL wants to see his team do. So. I don't know that there's much we can take away from that from the Buccaneers' side, mostly because of just how poorly the Packers played and how poorly they responded. I mean, once they were down a couple of scores, just the fight went out of the team. I mean, they spent the last quarter and a half just trying to get get it over as quickly as possible, get on the bus, and go home. And it was just very surprising to see so little fight in them where they were just swallowed again and again and again yeah. by the Buccaneers' defense, and they just had no response. I mean, much of that is on Aaron Rodgers. He, he has never really... He's been blessed with a lot of very good defenses. He's never really had to play uh, from behind very often in his NFL career. So this isn't something he's used to, and now he is stuck with a defense that is not performing performing well. Um, last year, Packers made a big splash in free agency with Darius Smith and Preston Smith. Uh, the two of them combined for just dozens and dozens of uh, quarterback pressures over the year. I believe they had 49 combined through the first five weeks. This year, they've got 20 combined. So if the, if the two keystones of your defense are failing you, then you're going to have a lot of rough games. And this, this 2020 Packers team could very soon look a whole lot like a, I, I don't know, a 2014 or 2015 Saints squad. More questions with John Sigler coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 7 Sunday night football game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucks are coming off their most impressive win of the season, beating the Green Bay Packers 38-10 in Week 6 to move to 4-2. The Raiders, who are 3-2, are coming off a Week 6 bye after stunning the Kansas City Chiefs with a 40-32 road win in Week 5. The Buccaneers come in as three-point road favorites. Las Vegas Raiders, their home dogs, plus three, over under a 53-and-a-half. Buccaneers, they got a win by four points to cover that spread. I'm back in the Raiders. They stay within three points. 
They might even win it, right? I'm going to put a little sprinkle on the plus 130 money line for the home Raiders. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more. With all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook, subscribe to Bet Slip and Podcast with new episodes every Friday morning. Be sure to rate and review. Okay, John, I want I, I need your analysis here because uh, my friends have been texting me angrily. I've been arguing with my friends, people on Twitter, people on the broadcast are all over the place. Nobody really knows the right answer, and I, I would trust your take on this. So I'm sure you saw this. This happened in the Cowboys-Falcons game where Mike McCarthy goes for two early in a two-score situation, and it ended up working for them because I got that miracle onside kick after they missed the early two-pointer. Well, the same situation happened in the Patriots-Broncos game this week where the Patriots scored to make it 18 to 9 with 8 minutes and 31 seconds left. So it's a it's a 9-point game. The Patriots have two choices. They can either attempt the extra point. I don't want to say kick the extra point because they have Nick Folk. So he could easily miss that thing. So they have to attempt the extra point to make it an 8-point game or go for 2 to make it a 7-point game. And Bill Belichick decided to go for two right then with eight minutes, 31 seconds left and two timeouts. I understand why he did it. And I've been arguing with my friends and trying to explain it to them, but no one will listen to me, John. Hopefully you can help explain it better than me because I, I could already tell I already got a popsicle headache listening to myself. What did you think about this situation? What do you think about the uh, the idea of going for two early? So I'm in favor of it. The math checks out there. Uh, the sooner you can score more more points, go for it. No, nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. There's no guarantee that if you close it to a one-score game at that point that you're going to get the ball back and have and potentially tie or, re, or retake the lead later on. Especially speaking as someone who's been around the Saints for so long, there, there's no such thing as a safe lead in here, and there's no such thing yeah. as leaving your opponent too little time at the, at, at the end of regulation. So if you're in a position to... Uh, cut into that deficient early on. If you're in a position to extend your lead, if you can, go for it. I mean, I, I'm not a big believer in easy points being available in the NFL. So never assume that, oh, our kicker, he, he's good for the extra point try here. No. no. no if, I, if you're in a position where you need to max out your points, go for it. Don't, don't worry about whether you'll get another shot with five or three minutes remaining. Do what you've got to do so that you can end this game on your own terms with your offense having the ball. Okay, that was a much smarter and more concise way to say it. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. I appreciate (laughs) appreciate it. I do do appreciate it. Another AFC question for you. Two a time. Two a time in Miami. This is an interesting situation where the Dolphins have actually strung together a couple of wins. It's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing terrible football over there. You know, I think in the QBR rating and that ESPN metric, he's up there in the top 10 from quarterbacks. He's actually been pretty doing pretty well. But the Dolphins decide to go with Tua coming out of their bye week here, so we'll see him in a couple weeks. What do you think about the decision? I kind of like it. I kind of think it's it's a little bit against the grain. Usually you see that, you know, if they don't start the rookie right away, unless the, the veteran starter they have absolutely blows, they leave that rookie on the bench for the year, right, holding the clipboard and learning. But the Dolphins are bringing into it. What do you think about the decision, and what do you think that means? Yeah, I get it. I understand the logic behind it, and I think I have a lot of optimism about it because Ryan Fitzpatrick has played so well that they're, they're out of the at a spot where they feel comfortable making the change and knowing that it's not go- at worst, it's not going to be a downgrade from what they've had. Mm-hmm. And it's magic. He, he's had a, he's had a, a, a very good season. He's played well. He's won some games for them that maybe they shouldn't have won go, going into it. Maybe that wasn't the expectation. And because of that, that gives me some faith in the Dolphins coaching staff to where they, they can evaluate both guys in practice. They can look at how Patrick has done in the game and they can say, you know, as good as he's been, we think we can be even better by making the switch to the rookie. So we'll see if Tua can pull it off. I mean, 
they've got they got the bye week, and then they have a week of practice after that to prepare for it. So it's fairly good timing for him, and it's very interesting. Uh, that's another one of these uh, young rookies entering the league that could be very exciting. A team that the Saints are going to have to get through if they want to win a Super Bowl, a team that they could meet in the Super Bowl, I think the favorite for them to meet in the Super Bowl if they get there, the Kansas City Chiefs, they add Le'Veon Bell to their roster. Another big story across the league. I don't think the Saints were even in on Bell. Uh, I didn't hear anything at least, but what do you think about Bell to the Chiefs? Watching Edwards Hilaire against the Bills on Monday night, that kid looks pretty good. I don't know. You bring in Bell. I don't know how he fits into their offense. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that, that game has been circled on the calendar for several months now. That's December 20th. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the Superdome. I would hopefully in front of 15,000 fans. Yeah, yeah, so. Anyway, as far as, as far as Bell is concerned, I don't know how much he adds just because uh, Clyde Edwards players played so well. He's someone that we that Saints fans got to see a ton of at LSU last year, and he's continued to play very well at the NFL level. So he, he's been a very impactful rookie for them. I do think that the Chiefs may look for a more of a two-back system, uh, spread those touches around a bit more, take a more balanced approach. I don't know if that's the correct way to go about it, considering that Bell hasn't really played like his old self with the Jets the last few years. But the other side of that token would be that, well, no one looks like themselves when they're playing for Adam Gase. Not Ryan Tannehill, not Robbie Anderson, That's certainly not Le'Veon Bell. Yep. And so now, now that Bell is working with possibly the most creative offensive coaching staff in the NFL, he's working with the best quarterback in the NFL. He's got a very talented r- rookie running back uh, there, in the, there in the room with him. I think it's a great, uh, great opportunity for him to make a splash, make some plays, and cash in with another big free agent contract next in the, here in the spring. Yeah, and at least right now, you know, I know he didn't get a lot of money from the Chiefs, but the Jets are still paying him, right? So, you know, so it's all good in the hood for for, for Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely, and he's got his virgin record deal as well. So he, he is he's pulling Yeah, I forgot about his musical career. Yeah, I keep forgetting about that part. All right, John. Hey, man, looking forward to your uh, your analysis and your stuff on the Saints Wire. And uh, when you're back watching Saints football this weekend, just keep my Survivor Pool fate in your thoughts, okay? Sounds great, man. We'll have to check in and see how it goes. Thanks for joining us on the Saints Wire podcast. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.